Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to Trending. It is great to be with you. I am here during our weekly happy hour as every Monday. We're going to dive into a hot topic for many of us that have either touched our lives personally by struggling with it or the lives of our loved ones, and that is depression. We're going to talk about a bombshell study that has been made public uh, this summer in particular about depression and antidepressants, bringing to question the use of antidepressants that some have been on the fence over. And we're also going to talk about seven steps to treating depression without drugs. We'll also dive into St. Dominic today on his feast day. St. Dominic is the one who received the devotion of Our Lady and brought it to us. And we'll dive into sacred scripture and what sacred scripture has to say about happiness. Also, did you hear the news? Sandy from Greece, the actress Olivia Newton-John actually died today. I'll share with you a little bit more news on that. But if you have a favorite Grease song, let us know. Maybe we will play it here on the show. If you have a question regarding happiness today during our weekly happy hour, the number is 1-888-914-9149. You can always share your questions as well on social media. So bombshell research came out this summer uh, having to do with depression. Now, I think this is an interesting topic. I've always been interested in the topic of depression and how it's treated because at the end of the day, it has to do with happiness. But this has actually become a very personal topic to me in many ways. A very dear friend of mine, her husband uh, actually died via suicide And it was when he was told, well, when he was on his antidepressants and he was acting very strange on them, uh, he consulted with a doctor. The doctor agreed he needed to come off of them. And almost immediately after having gone off of the antidepressants after a very short period of time, he ended up committing suicide. This follows a trend many people have shared. And my friend's story uh, goes along the lines of this is a common side effect for antidepressants, but the pharmaceutical companies and the lawsuits that have been started, many people just can't win against the pharmaceutical companies. And so these are stories I've been familiar with. Many people share their stories. Uh, But just to share a couple others, not to be really intense, but I think this topic of antidepressants has become a sore spot in a culture where we're struggling with depression and mental health. We're trying to figure out how to be happy. Many people are on antidepressant medications because you think that's the only solution or that's the only solution we've been given. And yet the question I think many people are asking this summer after the bombshell research is how do I really need antidepressants and what are the other solutions, if any? 
and there are. And so as I've been researching this topic and just thinking about it, I've come across just experience after experience in my own personal life where antidepressants have really been brought into question. I have a close family member who spent a good chunk of time on antidepressants and had an extremely negative impact on that person, had to come off and choose to treat the severe depression that was going on uh, in this person's life in a different way and in a way that uh, did not include antidepressants and he got better. I also have a cousin who the tragedy for many of us in our family uh, committed suicide some years ago. Um, Cousin who lived with our family for long periods of time uh, when I was growing up and, you know, when I was an adult in college committed suicide. And so this topic of antidepressants has been interesting because one of the things that we did know was right around the time when uh, that cousin committed suicide. He'd also recently uh, started antidepressant medication as well. So I'm, am I saying that everyone who has experienced um, depression or been on antidepressants has severe side effects? No, but we actually see a lot of people do have very serious side effects. And one of those side effects is a scary side effect of suicide. And in our culture, when we know that we are seeking out antidepressants to help make us happy, shouldn't that be what we're achieving rather than some of the worst tragedies that we ourselves have experienced in our own lives. So the question that I think arises for many people, and we'll talk about that study in just a moment, is do antidepressants make things better or worse? Uh, What is in another question is what is making people so unhappy? And I think that that's one question I'd really like to dive into the answer of later of what are their solutions uh, for depression? Because I know everyone's out there. Everyone has struggled at some point with not feeling very happy, with struggling with ups and downs in their own lives. I myself have struggled with those ups and downs and I've experienced the worst of my struggles with my ups and downs when my health Uh, wasn't at its best. And that actually correlates with some research and studies I was looking at uh, just recently on the topic of antidepressants. I've been reading a book uh, the last few months by Beverly Thompson. Uh, She wrote the book Antidepressed, a breakthrough examination of epidemic antidepressant harm and dependence. She's an author coming out of the UK, which is fascinating because much of the research right now that we're having that is groundbreaking on the topic of depression is coming out of Europe. Uh, The researchers are just diving into research that's not otherwise uh, being widely discussed and looked at. And so when we talk about what is making people so unhappy and how to treat it, we'll we'll talk about that more later, but no one size fits all. Uh, Depression is caused and exacerbated for many people by different things. Although we can share general things in common when it comes to uh, what we're experiencing, it also, you know, depression lifts its head in different ways for many people. And so I'll share with you some incredible stories about people who've experienced healing from depression and a great article by a physician on seven steps to treat depression without drugs. And uh, it's all about achieving happiness. This is, I think, a solution that we need to have for ourselves and for others. And in this book I've been reading called Antidepressed, a breakthrough examination of epidemic antidepressant harm and dependence, we'll post the link on social media. The goal of the book is to equip the reader with information about depression and antidepressants and be able to make informed choices as you and your loved ones cope 
with life's ups and downs. And I think this is an important topic, especially as people of faith, that we have an integrated understanding of the whole person, that we're never just running to a simple, quick and easy fix for anything in life not just medical, not just depression. Uh, It's, I think, one of those moments where as Catholics, we need to say, well, what's really going on here? And our faith does come into play on this as well. And perhaps you have a share story you'd like to share today with me here on Trending, where you are struggling with depression. Maybe you did or didn't take antidepressants, but what really helped to heal you uh, was your faith, was changing the way you ate, uh, discovering that you had something going on with your diet that was harmful to you. We're going to talk about stories like that to give a different perspective, uh, to change the narrative on the antidepressant um, over over medication. Did you know that antidepressants are the second most prescribed medication out there after cholesterol pills to lower people's cholesterol? And this is how widespread antidepressants are today. In fact, just kind of big picture understanding, it's very common for nearly 15% of people today to be on some form of antidepressants. And those numbers and that those numbers have only risen over the last couple of years with COVID. Antidepressants are more common among men, women than men, with almost about one in five women taking some form of an antidepressant and about one in 10 men, especially as women age. In general, it's more common at a much higher rate of women who are in their later years are usually placed on antidepressants. My baby girl has a lot to say right now. She's up a little later than usual. Usually she's asleep by now and she is telling my husband what she wants to eat for dinner. (laughs) Uh, So as We're looking at much of the research with antidepressants. What's fascinating to me is the news that came out this summer looking at a study that was was released over the last year. It came from the New England Journal of Medicine. Here is the bottom line, and this was the bombshell that was picked up on by the media and then kind of snuffed out and then some media outlets are picking it back up. Why was it snuffed out? We have to remember that the pharmaceutical industry has a tremendous amount of money and it's easy for them to change a story, change the narrative, bring your know, research to the forefront. And one of the questions you might be asking is how come we didn't know this sooner? So here's the bottom line. The New England Journal of Medicine has basically made clear that the research is very, very clear and abundant that antidepressants don't work and that they've had significant side effects for those who have taken them. Why didn't we know this before? That's the question I've been asking. Well, for some who have maybe taken a deep dive into this, maybe you didn't know this. From our family and friends' experiences with antidepressants over the last 20 years, we've taken some really deep dives into this topic and we've seen the connection with antidepressants to suicide and very, very non-normative behavior uh, has been a big red flag. And we've chosen other ways to treat and address depression in our experiences. And so the New England Journal of Medicine I think is opening the eyes of a lot of people who have said, I haven't felt right when I've been on an antidepressant, but maybe I didn't quite feel comfortable saying that because sometimes the experiences some people have had when on antidepressant medication have been so severe, they've been afraid to share something. In fact, I have a dear friend who 
he was on antidepressant medication and he grown adult loves children extremely pro-life and he was whole and he had been on antidepressant medication he had gone through a job transition had lost his job uh, had been through a layoff and was just in a really difficult seasons of life and here he is holding this beautiful baby newborn baby in his arms a friend's baby and is cradling this little baby in his arms and suddenly very abruptly he gives the baby back to the parents and later when they're driving home you know his wife's asking what happened you know what was going on and he ends up sharing that he said I don't know what's come over me but I've been having these really weird thoughts and when I had that baby in my arms I just thought that baby was so beautiful and so wonderful and I'm holding this baby and then all I could think of was slamming the baby down on the concrete on the ground and I kept having this thought of slamming this baby, throwing this baby down on the ground. And I had to get the baby out of my arms. I didn't want to do that, but it was a thought that keep, kept coming to my head. Uh, and the story of that friend, he ended up, again, having a lot of issues and trying to get off the antidepressant medication. Um, and there's so many things about the story share a common thread among other people as well. And here is the deal. Here's what came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. These experiences are very common. The side effects are severe for many people. Why we haven't heard about this is because the pharmaceutical industry and the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, have deliberately deceived the public into believing that antidepressants actually do work. And how have they been able to do that? Because that's always the question. It comes down to money and what is and is not required when it comes to research studies. Drug companies are not required to publish the research of their studies. They don't have to publish all of it. They only publish the research from their studies and their test cases that they want to, that they choose. Um, and the reality is, is that researchers coming out of this study from the New England Journal of Medicine, ton of incredible researchers are behind it. What they did is they took a deep dive into all of the research. The research had had to look into the FDA database. They had to call the researchers that conducted the various studies. There are 74 studies that are in question. They even had to hunt down data under the Freedom of Information Act that had been hidden and basically locked away and tried to that people were trying to bury at the FDA as well as from the pharmaceutical companies selling these primary antidepressants. So what they ended up diving through were 74 studies involving 12 drugs and over 12,000 people. What they discovered is 37, um, basically 37 positive studies were published out of 38 and only 14 negative studies were published out of 36 negative studies. So there were nearly just as many negative studies as there were positive studies. So the 38 studies that had more positive, not saying that they were great results, but more positive results were 38. The number of studies that had very, very negative results were 36. So in the end, what happened is that the handful of negative studies that were released were published in a way that they conveyed a positive outcome that were spun. And again, some of the research and data was still withheld. 
world. And again, because we have the Freedom of Information Act, these researchers coming out of the New England Journal of Medicine were able to go in and demand information, take a deep dive investigating into the FDA database, as well as the pharmaceutical companies databases. And I think this is all really significant because we want to be happy, we want solutions. And what's been brought into question and what has been made abundantly clear is that antidepressant medications aren't solving the problem. So, and that's the bottom line of the New England Journal of Medicine. They took the studies from the FDA and from the pharmaceutical companies themselves in antidepressants aren't working and the side effects have led to a serious fallout for many people. And so one thing that I've seen in this book by Beverly Thompson talking about uh, the rise of pharmaceutical use for treating depression is that it used to be that depression was never treated uh, was not normatively treated by a physician, a medical doctor. It wasn't treated as a medical condition. You would see a psychiatrist, you would see a psychologist, uh, you would see a therapist, you would look into that line of uh, intervention. Among other things, and we're going to talk about seven uh, common ways that physicians treat uh, depression without using antidepressants or any drugs as well, which I think are very telling. So what we've seen, though, from the dependence on antidepressants in our culture, because the truth of the matter is, is that we have seen a very serious dependence on antidepressants. It's the second leading most prescribed type of drug in this nation. And just to name a couple of the side effects, because I'm not going to get into all of that, but some of the side effects include dependence on the antidepressant, long-term permanent use, sleeplessness. So here you are, you're taking an antidepressant, but then you're also having to take something to help you sleep as well. Very high rates of suicide, which are often covered up, but anecdotally, a lot of people know the reality of antidepressants from experiences they've had in their own families and friend groups. It leads to a decreased libido for many people as well. And there are a number of other side effects, but those alone significantly impact happiness to begin with, not getting enough sleep, intimacy within a marriage, suicidality, that itself can be a killer. And not that's not even mentioning the long-term impact of antidepressant medication on the body as well. So the question after this bombshell was released, coming out showing from the New England Journal of Medicine that antidepressants don't work and have significant side effects have led to the question, so what do we do about depression? And this is where I want to dive into an incredible article. It was actually recently posted on the Huffington Post by a physician by the name of Mark Hyman talking about seven steps to treat depression without drugs. These stories and these steps may be the answer to what you or someone you know needs. We're going to come back during our weekly happy hour talking about real solutions to depression and take a deep dive into how our faith can also play a role. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Many of us have known for years that antidepressants have side effects. A lot of people who are on them say, I just don't feel like myself and choose to come off. So many people also experience dependence on antidepressant drugs. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending. And this summer, a study was made public that came out from the New England Journal of Medicine. And New England Journal of Medicine and a number of researchers drove into the topic of antidepressant medication, going into untapped data that had never before been published. And the outcome was abundantly clear. Antidepressants don't work and they have significant side effects. New England Journal of Medicine has been really helpful in helping many people unpack this and see the research. And many people are talking about real solutions to depression. We've been talking about this today here on the show. And I want to talk about the good stuff. And that is, what do we do? You know, many people don't want to go on to antidepressants. Many people want other solutions. And I want to dive into seven steps to treat depression without drugs. There was a fantastic article on the Huffington Post website about this. And I think it's important because antidepressants, you know, if you experience a depression, if you have gone to a therapist, you know, a lot of people see it as a stigma. It's not something they necessarily want to talk about. And so sometimes diving into solutions within your own network isn't always an option because it's not something you talk about. And this is a return to the whole idea of the importance of family and community, that we have that uh, additional eyes and ears and feedback from other people. And sometimes, yes, I know it can be too much, but also it can be helpful for looking to other people's stories and solutions. And depression is one of those topics that just isn't talked about enough among peers. And I think that that's sometimes why we don't hear about the and why the FDA and the pharmaceutical companies for all these years have been able to squash the real data on the true fact that antidepressants don't work and have really bad side effects for a lot of people. So let's talk a little bit about some of the research that came out uh, from people who said, I've tried I've treated depression without using antidepressants. There's an article I read from Mark Hyman. He's a medical doctor, physician. He's a major contributor at the Huffington Post. And he shares seven ways to treat depression without drugs. And before I dive into some of those ways he treats them, he actually shared some case studies of treating depression with people who have come in to see him. He lists the story of a 23-year-old who had been anxious and depressed for most of her life. He says she spent her childhood and adolescence on various cocktails of antidepressants, and it turned out she suffered from severe food allergies that made her depressed. He said food allergies cause inflammation, and studies now show inflammation in the brains of depressed people. This story was riveting and, of course, the first story and one of the most common stories I've seen, especially because it falls into my store. As you may know, at one point I had the upwards of over 30 food allergies. Now we're down to five and, of course, it's the best foods including dairy and gluten and all that bread and delightful things. But many people do struggle with food allergies and many people don't discover them till later in life or some people still choose to have those foods that while they might not need an EpiPen and be going into anaphylactic shock or their windpipes might not be shutting down, one of the big things is that the ongoing inflammation done by food allergies, there are different reactions to different food allergies. And sometimes just the inflammation is a major leading thing for people and it can lead to depression, to experiencing 
a major cloud in your life. And I know this is something I've experienced when my health and my food allergies have been at their worst of just feeling very down, very lethargic, functioning at a very low rate in various seasons when my food allergies were really bad and I didn't know it. And it all came back to food allergies and food sensitivities and cleaning up my diet. And I have said so many times before, I didn't know I could feel so good physically, mentally, emotionally. It impacted all of those areas. So I was fascinated. This was one of the first case studies that were shared that was shared by Dr. Mark Hyman. Another case study that he shares about someone who is struggling with depression is a 37-year-old executive who was struggling for more than a decade with treatment-resistant depression, meaning that the drugs didn't work, said Dr. Hyman. He said she was experiencing severe fatigue and a 40 pound weight gain. He said, we found she had very high levels of mercury, that's heavy metal toxicity. He said, getting the mercury out of her body left her happy, thin, and full of energy. This is a story again that stands out to me. I had high mercury toxicity as well. It was something that we had to get rid of and detox from heavy metals. Again, everyone has something different. I find it fascinating that these are some of the stories that people are coming out with. This is one as well that's fascinating. Having to do with vitamin deficiencies. And I'm not saying this is the cause for everyone, but these are just some case studies and maybe some information to think about when it comes to different ways to address depression. This man's 49 years old with severe lifelong depression. Dr. Hyman says he had been on a cocktail of antidepressants and psychiatric medication for years, but still lived under a dark cloud every day without relief. Dr. Hyman says we found he had severe deficiencies of vitamin B12, B6, and folate. He said after we gave him back those essential brain nutrients, he recovered, he was happy, and the depression was gone. So I want to talk about seven steps that Dr. Hyman shares about treating depression without drugs. The first one he talks about is an anti-inflammatory elimination diet that gets rid of the most common food allergies to help you figure out if you have food allergies that are triggering this for you. As Dr. Hyman said, as I mentioned above, food allergies are the result of inflammation that have been connected with depression and other mood disorders. Again, that's my story. Food allergies brought a very serious cloud over me for many years. At times it was worse than others. Um, I never took antidepressant medication, didn't think about it, especially because of the experience we had seen with friends and family having taken antidepressants, but instead I tried to, you know, really stay active with exercise, always eat healthy, even though sometimes that was hard because I didn't know that the things I was eating were actually basically poisoning me and making the depression worse. The second thing that Dr. Hyman lists as a very common cause of depression is the thyroid. He said, this unrecognized epidemic is leading cause of depression. He said, make sure to have a thyroid examination if you're struggling with depression. By the way, I also have Hashimoto's disease, which by the way is very excited, is in remission, um, which is hyperactive um, thyroid activity, which can again lead to depression as well. A third thing, so have your thyroid checked. A third three that Dr. Diane Hyman lists as leading to depression is vitamin D deficiency. And he talks about the importance of supplementing with vitamin D. A lot of people know this. We talk about seasonal depression all the time. Coming from California, that was one of the big things that many people warned me about coming to the Midwest and 
the months of cold weather and being inside and the months of gloominess. I think that from February until May, it was perpetually cloudy. It was so dark in the sky. It looked like it was like going late into the evening. And not to mention when it's just so cold, it's hard to go outside and expose your skin to important uh, ability to uh, for your body to get that vitamin D that you need. And so we talk about this when it comes to seasonal depression, but so a lot of people are in office buildings, hardly spending any time outside. And we know that research has shown that you need to expose your arms and your legs in particular, full sun, nothing covering the arms and legs for at least 20 minutes a day to have a decent level of vitamin D. And that's if nothing else is depleting your vitamin D. You know, people who are pregnant, nursing. I think about it because those are seasons in the life that I've recently been in. That can all uh, lead to a vitamin D deficiency or just having less. You need more. Uh, certain health issues can lead to a depletion of vitamin C or sometimes, or sorry, vitamin D. Sometimes your body just can't process it. And so I think that, again, this is a really helpful solution of do I have vitamin D deficiency? Or throwing it out there because this isn't one that Dr. Hyman lists is iron deficiencies as well can be huge for depression. Another number four, Dr. Hyman says omega-3 fats. He said your brain is made up of this fat and deficiency can lead to a host of problems. He talks about supplementing with one to 2,000 milligrams of purified fish oil a day. I know I also do not get in enough seafood. I'm not a huge fan of seafood. So if we're not people who are having seafood a couple times a week, it's usually said that you need to supplement with rich omega-3 fatty acids. So something to look into. Again, I'll post a link to this article. Number five, Dr. Hyman says, take adequate B12. He says B and B6 and folic acid. He said these vitamins are critical for metabolizing and they can play a major factor in depression. So again, that's something you can have checked in on. How are your vitamin B12 and B6 and folic acid levels looking? He also said get checked for mercury. As I shared the story early, earlier, heavy metal toxicity has been correlated with depression and other mood and neurological problems, says uh, Dr. Hyman. So he says get checked for heavy metals. In particular, mercury is a leading um, problem for antidepressant. Seventh and finally, he says exercise vigor vigorously five times a week for 30 minutes. He says this increases those natural antidepressants in your brain. I have talked about this so many times on the show. There are literally happy chemicals that we can tap into just by exercising. Norepinephrine, dopamine, endorphins, all of these things with a little bit of exercise can help boost our mood, boost our health, boost a hormone, human growth hormone, can boost our ability for our stem cells to naturally heal our body. I like that Dr. Hyman shared these seven ways to treat depression. I know it's still looking at medical side of things, but it's important that we check all our boxes. Is this something that's contributing to our inability to cope with life's ups and downs? Because the truth of the matter is we all have ups and downs in life. I've worked firsthand for years in the crisis pregnancy centers. I've been in front of the, in front of the abortion clinic in front of the sidewalk. I have seen women at their lowest of lows and highest of highs between having babies, not having babies, the struggle of it all. 
You don't have to be someone facing a crisis pregnancy. You don't have to be someone who has experienced a recent job loss, a layoff, a furlough. You don't have to be someone who has had a tragedy occur in their lives to have struggled with the highs and lows of life. But I do believe very strongly that the mental health crisis that we have today is not being uh, properly addressed by the heavy heavy diagnosis and use of antidepressant medication. The the studies, the research, reading the pamphlets to the antidepressant medication, it's out there. And I'm so grateful that this study came out this year that is actually being exposed online this summer coming out of um, this research from the New England Journal of Medicine that antidepressants don't work and have significant side effects. But how does our faith play a role in this too? Because I think that's an important question. By the way, I will post a link to that study talking about the seven ways to treat uh, depression without medication. Well, I think that first and foremost, we have to take a body and soul approach to depression. Because we have to look at the root problem. Depression is on the rise. So is godlessness in our society. We've turned our backs on God. Read Romans chapter 1. Read salvation history. Read human anthropology starting at Genesis, the, the creation of the human person at the dawn of time. When we turn our backs on God, there's serious fallout. How we interact with one another, the things that we do and don't do with our bodies, with other people, I think at the root of the depression crisis is a crisis of faith. And by just looking to a quick and simple answer, such as antidepressant medications, that let's be real, depression can be so serious, we do need answers. But this isn't the long-term solution. And I think that's the problem, is that the research has been very clear that once you enter onto antidepressant medication, many people, if they don't choose to come off of it, on their own, many people stay on it long term. There's a strong level of dependence with all the slew of side effects. But the reality is, is that we have seen an increase in depression at the same time as we see an increase in godlessness. An inability to cope with the ups and downs of life as we take away our ability to cope with the ups and downs in life by taking God, the source of peace, of joy, of truth, of counsel. Just think about the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit alone. Peace, joy, counsel. Things such as goodness, kindness, things that help guide us with a moral compass and how to handle those day-to-day, moment-to-moment interactions with ourselves, with with others, in private or in public. The deficiency we're experiencing in society is just as much a crisis of faith as it can be a crisis of some of these solutions we've talked about, seven solutions to treating treating depression without antidepressants. It's life choices and God helping us to navigate the ups and downs of life. And I think one of the greatest gifts I have ever received in my life is the gift of faith. This is why we talk so much as people of faith about infant baptism, of passing on the faith, not just baptizing children, but raising children in the faith. Thank God my parents gave me a faith and thank God I've been catechized and taught that faith. 
that I've been given a prayer life. Studies, and we've talked about it here as well, a fantastic study came out last year indicating that the best way to have a young adult be free of the very high likelihood in society of depression and anxiety and kind of just losing their direction in life, of having sexual promiscuity in their life, is to have a prior life. We need to pass on faith and to help people become resistant to the woes in life so that they don't become lost in the midst of the woes in life that are seasons and not permanent. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. It's our weekly happy hour. It's also the feast day of St. Dominic. We're going to talk about praying the rosary in light of St. Dominic's feast day and the great resource of sacred scripture to turning to the root of happiness in our life. That is God. That's our tribute to Olivia Newton-John. Today the news came out that she has died peacefully at home. We don't know the cause of death. Her husband did release that she died. If you know who I'm talking about, Olivia Newton-John, of course you do. It's Sandy from Greece, a classic that many people have loved and enjoyed. Uh, we could get into so much about the movie Grease. You love it, you hate it, you never saw it, whatever it might be. You might have some objection to it. My husband, I am still astounded, has never seen Grease and swears he will never see that movie. Um, and I just, you know, how, how can you not see Grease? It's a classic. Some point in your life. I digress. Okay, my my uh, producer Jim is here saying he agrees with Gabe. I'm assuming, Jim, you've also not seen Grease. But I'm so going to bust you right now, Jim, because you never... Okay, Patrick. Okay, good, Patrick. You've seen it. I thought you were going to be another person saying you haven't seen it. Um, but Jim, you also didn't see Top Gun until like two months ago <laughs> so that you could go and see Maverick. But to in your defense, I did not see Top Gun until maybe five or six years ago. Anyways, a rest in peace prayers for Olivia Newton-John and her family, Sandy from Greece. It's a little blast to the past. Welcome to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. We're going to talk about the importance of scripture in turning to scripture to turn to God to be happy day to day and how it's a source for us of happiness, especially when we're talking so much about depression today on the show. But first, some happy news. If you didn't know, I am expecting a baby. Well, the baby's already here. I always think that's a really important distinction. I hate it when people say, oh, you're going to become a mom or you're going to have... I don't mind so much that you're going to have a baby, but when I was pregnant with my first little girl, people would be like, oh, you're going to be a mom. I'm like, no, 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 I am a mom and I have a baby. I'm not going to have a baby. <laughs> I do think it is an important distinction uh, that we help remind people sometimes the way we talk about it. But I have some news. I know whether or not I am having a baby boy or a baby girl, and I'd like to hear your thoughts and votes. I'm actually due on my first baby girl's birthday, December 20th, so 
They'll be exactly two years apart if this kiddo comes on time. And I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think boy? Do you think girl? What do you think? I I will tell you, I will tell you my guess, my guess, I really, I was confident. I was really confident with my guess. I felt, it's one of those moments where I believed, I truly believed I knew what I was having. With my first baby girl, I was very clear. With a second baby, I know, we'll see. So what do you think? Boy, girl, please have your votes. I know my producers, I think they put money on this. I know everyone has a different guess. I know John was voting boy. Patrick was voting girl. And Jim, I think you were team boy, weren't you? I think Jim was team boy. So go ahead and vote now on social media. Yes, Jim was team boy. Okay. So go and vote now on social media. It's on my Instagram story. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. I already posted it up there. Also post a really cute cake because we did a little uh, surprise for my family. We put we sent uh, cakes to our family so they could, since we couldn't be with them in person to share the news, we sent cakes so they could find out. You know, we make such a big to-do about things like this now, the gender reveal, sex reveal, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's a fun way to celebrate And since we couldn't share the news in person, we thought we'd send it along that way. But today's the feast day of St. Dominic. And I wanted to uh, share with you a little, just an absolute gem when it comes to praying the rosary. If you pray your rosary daily, uh, or maybe you want to get into praying the rosary, or maybe you find the rosary difficult, so you've kind of defaulted to not praying it very often. I have something to really help you with praying the rosary, but why do I bring this up on the feast day of St. Dominic? Well, St. Dominic is the saint who we know received the rosary from Our Lady. Uh, He would have experienced this extreme physical exorcism, and this caused him at one point in his life to actually go into a coma And it was then when he was in a coma that the Virgin Mary appeared to him instructing St. Dominic to promote the rosary. And so the rosary we often attribute to St. Dominic because of this. Now we could get into the history of the rosary and how there were things similar to the rosary. We could get into all of that. But what I want to do right now is talk about the importance of praying the rosary. If we want to have a robust life. If you want to pass on a robust life to your child, you know, free of the tendency in our culture toward depression and anxiety, um, toward promiscuity, toward uh, so many of the challenges and woes in people's life, what has come out to show that those people who are thriving and doing the best in the millennial and Gen Z generation, study came out last year, are those people who have a prayer life. And so whether you're someone who's passing this on to your children or someone who wants to develop a more robust prayer life, it's a sure protection against the brokenness of our human nature, the unhappiness that society experiences. God is so important in our lives. And one beautiful daily thing that you can incorporate into your life is praying the rosary. You can pray it while you take a daily walk. You can pray it when you're driving in the car. You can sit down and pray it together as a family. You can pray it here with us in 10 minutes on the family rosary across America with family rock with Father Rocky every single evening after trending. Uh, There's so many ways you can pray. You can pray just starting with a decade. Maybe that's what you can do right now. Uh, But I know many people will complain and I do understand this complaint that praying the rosary can be difficult. 
I think any prayer can be difficult, but we have to work on putting ourselves in the right state of mind, in the right circumstances, eliminating distractions, and still praying the rosary can be difficult. I pray the rosary every day, and the last year has, uh, the last year and a half has been much more of a distracted rosary than usual. I've been praying it in the evenings and my husband and I decided we're going to start praying it in the mornings. We decided this about a month ago and when we do pray in the mornings, the rosary, I find my mind is much less cluttered and able to focus. But another aid that a longtime listener of Trending, Jim Burke, shared with me is St. Louis de Montfort's methods for saying the rosary. I'm going to share a PDF of this after the show on social media. Maybe Patrick can find it now and share but St. Louis de Montfort's methods for saying the rosary. And he gives some fantastic tips for helping to stay in a state of meditation during the rosary. Because as we know, the rosary, we pray a lot of Hail Marys, right? 53 to be exact. We pray a good number of our fathers. We pray six. We pray the Apostles' Creed. But what is at the heart of the rosary? It's a meditation, the decades and the mysteries of the rosary. We have the joyful mysteries that we meditate on starting with the Annunciation of Our Lady and all five ending with the finding of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. You have the sorrowful mysteries, walking through Christ's agony, from the agony in the garden to the death of Christ on the crucifix. And everything that happens in between. We have the glorious mystery. is going from the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the way to the coronation of the Blessed Virgin Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. You have the luminous mysteries that go from the life of Christ with the baptism in the Jordan all the way to the institution of the Eucharist. The life, those ministry years of Christ on Earth. And so here we have this rosary that we're meant to be meditating upon each decade dedicated to the mysteries for that day as we pray our Hail Marys. But like me, you might struggle. You start, you say, okay, the first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden, and then you make it through the Our Father, you forgot maybe what mystery you're on, or you just aren't paying attention, and you thought about all of the challenges of the day, all the people that annoy you, all the things on your to-do list, you completely zone out, Maybe you try to multitask too much while doing your rosary. I don't know what it is. So at the end of your rosary, praise God, you found that you've prayed 53 Hail Marys and six Our Fathers, plenty of glory bees, and you look at it, the whole grand scheme of things, you're glad you prayed it, but maybe you have a little bit of frustration that you didn't pray it better. I think we always have that hope that we can pray better uh, often in our experiences in prayer, but The truth of the matter is, is that we did pray our rosary, but the resources are there to go deeper, to stay focused on the meditation at hand. St. Louis de Montfort has about five or six different methods to help you stay focused during the rosary. You could, during every single Hail Mary, read a little statement focusing on the decade, and he has them. Or one of the methods I think is sometimes the easiest, and even if you don't have it memorized, you can actually make up your own is St. Louis de Montfort actually will use a just three word uh, little add-on that he'll use to meditate with every Hail Mary. So he'll pray the Hail Mary and at the part in the middle where we say blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus 
St. Louis de Montfort will add two words that you'll pray those two words at every Hail Mary, so for 10 Hail Marys of that decade, to help try and keep your focus on the mystery and on the specific decade and what that mystery is that you're praying. So for example, if you're praying today the joyful mysteries and you're praying the Annunciation, well, what happens at the Annunciation? The incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so St. Louis de Montfort says in that first decade of the rosary, pray, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, and then add the words becoming man. And you'll be able to focus then on specifically the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the womb of the Virgin Mary at the Assumption, because that's the reality of what's happening. And then he gives just that one or two or three words to add to every single decade. Uh, He gives, for example, in the agony in the garden, St. Louis de Montfort says, just add on these words, bless us the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, and then meditate upon in his agony. Or scourged. And just keep thinking about the word scourge. And these will help to elicit and focus on what we are supposed to be meditating upon the ro- during the rosary. One of my dear friends from college, I remember she always complains and says, I love the idea of the rosary. I'm in love with the idea of the rosary. But I never pray it. Because I find it so boring. And that's, I think, such a fascinating argument with regard to the rosary. Because many people find themselves distracted when praying the rosary and arguably that would lead to boredom or just frustration with yourself perhaps when you finish your rosary but there are many resources saint louis marie de montfort being one of the methods for saying the rosary that can help you in putting into practice actually meditating upon the mysteries during each decade of the rosary rather than becoming distracted by everything happening in our lives, our world, our to-do list, or just zoning out while we repeat over and over again the Hail Mary. The meat of the rosary are the mysteries of the life of Christ and the miracles of his life and what he's done for us. There, through the eyes of Our Lady, with Our Lady. And so I hope that I'll share this. I really recommend next time you pray your rosary that you take this PDF out, print it, We'll share it on social media. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. And again, I'll share in just a couple minutes. Using this method for praying the rosary will help you in increasing your devotion to the rosary if you already have one. Or will help you in beginning to pray the rosary, memorizing the mysteries and diving into the decades. But the rosary in honor of St. Dominic, I highly encourage you. This is one way to increase that robust prayer life that we're called to. A prayer life that is helping to be a sure protection against the unhappiness, depression, and the outright struggles we are experiencing today as a culture. So in the honor of St. Dominic, I hope today, if you haven't already prayed your rosary, that you will at least pray your rosary today and ask his intercession in helping you to focus on the mysteries of the rosary. And you don't have to use St. Louis de Montfort's methods. You can use other methods, but I do like this one simple thing of just adding one or two words that you repeat over and over again in the middle of the Hail Mary with the theme of the specific mystery that we're meditating upon. So join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America coming up next here on Relevant Radio. Thank you for joining me for our weekly happy hour. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share your favorite episodes. Just text them to a friend. Catch a podcast, relevantradio.com.
This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Tuesday is the feast day of St. Edith Stein, also known as St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Pray for us. She's a phenomenologist, she's a philosopher, and she dives deeply into what it means to be a woman at a time when our culture isn't ready to answer that question. She dives into what it means to be a woman, what are the differences between men and women. So join me Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.